0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks and it is a new month and that means it's time for a new mailbag which we haven't done yet so we're taking your questions today starting to go through them at least. First talking about which player the Knicks could potentially target to take them to the next level and who some realistic trade targets are for the coming years and then a really fun question from one of our buddies on Twitter asking if we could build a team of all Fantastic single game performances from the Knicks and have them compete for a finals, who would they be? So we'll talk about that all next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right
1: Without a five. Ewing for the
0: win. Yes. Up, up, left. Three, Anthony for three. That one goes down. Back up off the glass. It's gone. Oh, boy! becomes infectious. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. That's I-B-O-T-T-A app on your favorite app store. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Nick's your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're on and either turn on the auto download function or the notification bell so you never miss an episodes. We're here for you guys five days a week. But who are we? I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land and he's Gavin Shaw your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster no random youtube comments or i will not ditch the gimmick i love the i love the nickname it's good I, it's good it's a good gimmick it's a good I came, I came up with it you know what and i like to i like to you know stand by things that i do that are good cuz there's so few and far between you know <laughs> uh, anywho speaking of good things we got some great questions uh from this mailbag solicitation, which if you haven't uh already feel free to put questions in we Trying something different. So our first question actually came from YouTube. We put something up on our YouTube uh, like community tab so you can ask us questions there or in the comments under the video or check out our tweet on Twitter and respond to that. But if, if you got some questions and you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, I missed it. You didn't. You can still ask some questions. So feel free to. We love doing that more than coming up with topics ourselves because we want to talk about what you guys want to hear about. So Anyway, our first question did come from YouTube, from our our uh, post asking for questions from Gregory Babcock via YouTube. Uh, Gregory wants to know, who do you think is the next likely and importantly reasonable target to take the Knicks to the next level of contention? Who are you willing to part with to pick up that player, Gavin? We had a, I think we came up with more names than we thought we would at the uh, in our pre-show prep. Uh, maybe some a little more falling into that reasonable category than others. Who Who do you think is the first guy that you'd be interested in potentially looking at as the Knicks?
1: Yeah. So I, wow. Okay. So that, that, that's interesting, right? Because I'm trying to balance reasonability with, with who I think would, would elevate the team the most, but um, going over the list, uh, Alex, that you and I put together, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal your top choice. Uh, it, it's Joel Embiid because he is he is simply the best player that could be in the mix. Um, uh, slowly but surely, um, becoming the favorite for MVP this year. Uh, completely dominant offensive player who at his best is probably one of the three or four best defenders on planet Earth as well. And I think there will be a chance that he wants out of Philly very very soon because despite how good they've been this year, and I think since the first six or seven games of the season now, they've, they've had the best record in the entire NBA. Um, I kind of think they're going to fall short in the playoffs again. And there is a whole lot of smoke that James Harden wants to return to Houston. And this is a team that without both those guys, I think will uh, have a pretty steep fall off. And, and Embiid's whole career in Philly has sort of been like Groundhog Day, where it's been backbreaking playoff performance after backbreaking playoff performance and through all of it they've somehow never gotten to the conference finals in a, in an Eastern conference that certainly not for all those years, but for some of them has been somewhat ripe for the taking. And it always feels like either Embiid's hurt or Ben Simmons is missing a layup or James Harden is just tanking a series. Uh, but whatever it's been, Alex, um, I, I think Embiid is eventually going to tire of it. Um, and then the only questions are, I mean, one, would Philly um, trade him if he requested it and given that their general manager is Daryl Morey I think he will be highly highly resistant to that given how star oriented he is and how rebuild averse he has generally been uh, throughout his tenure. Um, two given the pain of the process that it took to get Embiid I, I think in that sense they're not going to want to trade him. Three will they really want to trade him in division to a team that they play uh, four times a year? Probably not so maybe all of that uh, cuts into realistic, but if the Knicks godfather offer them, um, whether that's like Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, every single pick and swap that they could throw in um, and just do whatever it takes to get Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle and Joel Embiid all on one basketball team, uh, that that is the highest ceiling option to me out of all of these.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean the the unfortunate thing is that Embiid like just signed an extension like that literally kicks in next year. Um so Yeah, yeah we I we mean, just we just saw Kevin Durant get traded right after essentially just
1: doing that. Yeah.
0: That's true. So I mean he's got like 3 guaranteed years starting next year and he's going to he's getting his big pay bump. He's going from being a $30 million a year player to push it towards a $50 million a year player by the time in 2026, 27. Now, granted there might be a totally different cap by then, but he'll be making almost $60 million that season. So that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe with that information in hand, if more, would then look at that and say, crap, we, we lost Harden for nothing. Our avenues to get better are so limited because the, the Sixers have sort of, in some ways painted themselves into a corner a little bit cap wise. I guess their cap sheet isn't that disgusting if James Harden opts out, but they're still pretty close to being capped out in that case, just between Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, uh, PJ Tucker is going to make 11 million next year. Danthony Melton has a uh, non-guaranteed 8 million next year. I'm not sure exactly what their out is on that money, uh, but so he's if they decide to retain him making eight million, they have Corkmaz making like five and a half million. Daniel House uh, with a player option for like four point three million. Who knows if he takes that? I guess Tyrese oh, Max. Oh, oh <laughs> Daniel House. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tyrese Maxey making like four and a half. Uh, Montres Harrell with a player option for about three million. And then Jaden Springer on his rookie deal still. Plus, they're going to have to probably pay Shake Milton if they want to keep him around. Um, so I guess we'll see how that goes, but you know, it's, it's kind of a messy cap situation where morry might look at it and say, look, if Harden's going to leave, do we really have like, do we really want to just keep rolling with this and go nowhere? Or do we want to just do the hard reset and just burn it all to the ground and start fresh? I don't know the answer. Um, but I do think it would be likely that in a, in a player's league and a star's league, if, Joel Embiid has spent his whole career with the Sixers and then sees James Harden just walk for nothing because he's that unhappy with the team's performance. If they like don't make the conference finals or whatever again this year, I feel like Embiid might at least start start pushing the button like, like Durant did. And maybe he wouldn't get traded right away, but he would at least be like, I want to trade. And if they said no, he would just keep... Keep hammering away at that. Like, I still want to trade. By the way, I still want to trade. I still would like to be traded. And then eventually would get traded. Um, But I don't know for sure if that's going to happen. But I do think he's the most likely. Uh, Another guy that I think is, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say super likely, somewhat likely, maybe, would be Carl Anthony Towns, which is not a guy that I'm super sold on. Gavin, we've definitely talked about him before, but like the Leon Rose connection is there, which we didn't even mention, is there for Joel Embiid, um, former Leon Rose client. Same thing with Cat. Devin Booker is one of the other most notable guys, but I think they now with Durant there, as we just noted, I feel like that's less and less likely that Devin Booker is going to magically ask out in the next couple seasons. Um, but Cat, you know, maybe would look for a new, a new home he's probably the guy that I'm least inclined to go after out of anyone that we're going to say on this list, because I just worry about his ability to play good enough defense to actually play on a real contender. Um, offensively though, he's fantastic. So I don't know, I guess if you, if you figure something out, I, I I just can't think of a way that on the Knicks current roster that it would look too good, especially because you'd probably be giving up Mitchell Robinson to make it happen. Um, but he's certainly a name that's that the Knicks I think would consider potentially being that sort of guy. Uh, although they do seem to value defense and and all that. And if, especially if Tibbs is the coach, I feel like that move probably wouldn't get okay. But via the Leon Rose connection, I feel like he has to at least be on the list.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it would have made more sense if Randall had another terrible season, given the fact that Randall has turned himself into not nearly as efficient of a three point shooter as Carl Anthony towns, but Certainly a a threat from three-point, random I mean, a guy who was was literally in the three-point contest. Not that he did that well there, but be be Kevin Herter. Um, Point being, um, I I think the Knicks, like, we we talked about it coming into this season, right? There was a doomsday scenario with the Brunson-RJ Randall trio where the spacing was just horrific and, and this offense was stuck in mud and we had a bottom five offense all year that hasn't happened because Randall um is, is shooting threes on a, on a volume with with an efficiency that outside of the the freak COVID year he he never really has in his career and if the Knicks think that's sustainable and, and that that spacing will will be there for future years the appeal of someone like Cat who I I think with Cat the Knicks would be a top two or three offense in in basketball. I, I don't think that's crazy given that when everyone's healthy, when, when Brunson's out there, they've been a top five offense. Um, I, I just think the defense would, would tank and, and maybe, maybe Tibbs can talk himself into like, all right, with, with Mitchell Robinson, it'll work out. But with Mitch, you, you run into the same problems cat has had with Gobert, where those offenses that have been so great year after year after year. Um, kind of have fallen off this year when when he's forced to play with with a center that is stationed at the rim at all times so i i just don't think it makes a lot of sense alex as as i did um when we talked about it last time uh but why don't we we take a quick break and then when we come back uh i want to make a case for uh damian lillard because i i think he he might be kind of our middle ground here right between realistic and someone who could elevate the knicks to championship connection but alex i'm 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 craving, I'm I want to I want to know somewhere I can go to buy something that I just I just gotta have. Um what 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 do you got for me?
0: Well uh, the good news is there's a there's a great service and maybe the Knicks could use this that they make a big purchase <laughs> via a trade, get yeah. a little something back out of ibotta, because today's episode is brought to you by ibotta, and we're always throwing money at something, whether it's kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return enter ibotta you can earn cash back on every shopping trip ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get your cash back it really is that easy the average ibotta user earns 120 dollars a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use your cash back to buy that thing you've been eyeing that game you're dying to go to or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Uh, all things you could do at a Knicks game. Uh, why not? Uh, a typical basket uh, basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 22 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. Don't, don't we know it? Uh, you could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. So it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying it by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. All right, Gavin, uh, we're back to continue talking through some some guys that the Knicks could potentially look at uh if they want to take the the next leap here as a team and to be clear I mean I'm I'm pretty happy with the trajectory they're just on right now but I do think that if they're going to take the step to be like a true contender this is something that they're going to have to look at um we'll, we'll have to make a note to get into is like what players were willing to part with to make this happen um but i'll i'll throw it to you you teased wanting to make the case for dame lord and i think i'm right there with you so uh, what do you, what do you say about dame
1: yeah so he is, i think he's going to get traded at some point and and it is defied logic that portland has already not traded him it's kind of it's kind of a farce in, in in a way what's going on in Portland where where they want to they want to pr- um, present themselves as contenders year in and year out right and there's always like all right like maybe like we'll, we'll reshuffle the deck like all right C J McCollum Dame we we tried that for five years it didn't really work out Let, let's let's give Anfernee Simons a chance as a small guard next to him and you know what we we probably need a wing scorer like uh, Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless didn't didn't work out for years let's I, I'm I'm going seven years back on that reference but just give me a chance here <laughs> um, and then let's 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 start Jeremy Grant. Um, into the mix. of Jeremy Grant's had a great season. You know what? We got really lucky in the lottery. Shaden Sharp fell to us. He looks awesome. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. And you know what all that is added up to, Alex? They might get the 10th seed this year. And, and at times it seems like they're half trying to tank, like where, where they inexplicably gave Dame like a rest because they were stuck on the tarmac for a few hours. Um, and, and then it seems like they're going all out to win. So it's, it's a team that has a distinct identity crisis that is driven by the fact that they have a generational talent who at age 32 is somehow having one of the best seasons of his career, statistically, the best season of his career. is putting up, like, I, I don't know if people are aware of this. The guy's averaging 32 points per game, and it feels like no one talks about that. And I know points per game don't really mean the same thing in the NBA that, it, that they used to mean, but that's still crazy. He's doing so on, on just ridiculous efficiency. He's pretty much having, like, Steph Curry's best season ever, um, and, and, and no one really cares because it's in Portland. And at some point, I would think that that would bother Damian Lillard Um, It doesn't seem to because he seems to really love living in Portland. But Alex, as you and I talked about before the show, I think at some point on Portland's end, they're going to get fed up with this arrangement. They're going to say, hey, we have Shaden Sharp. We think he could be a star. We have Simons. I I think he could make an all-star team in a world where Dame isn't on that roster. Um, Let's just get a whole bunch of picks before Dame is 35 and and falling off a bit. And 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 let's rebuild this thing. Let's give ourselves a chance at building a true blue contender because I'm, I'm sorry to all the Portland fans out there. It is never going to happen with Damian Lillard as their best player. Um, the flip side of that equation is, does he make sense for the New York Knicks? And I, I think the tough sell is obviously him and Jalen Brunson together, right? Because defensively, that is a tire fire. And I almost think to make something like that work, you need basically the setup you have in Cleveland, where you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley to hold things down. The Knicks have a Mitchell Robinson. Um, they do not have an Evan Mobley type guy to flank him. So, on some level, that would be the end of it. But the question doesn't ask, like, could the Knicks win a title? It asks, could they ascend to the next level of contention? And I think you're looking at, I don't know, maybe the best offensive basketball with with Brunson, Dame, and Randall playing together. And, and given what Tibbs has strung together defensively in the past, and guys like Josh Hart, Mitchell Robinson, Deuce McBride, maybe playing heavy minutes on a team like that, there's a world where you could maybe just sort of make it work. Do I think that team wins a championship? Not really, but I, I think they would have a better shot than the current Knicks do.
0: Hear me out, and I won't elaborate this too far for fear of making people light their their uh, torches and grab their pitchforks. But I think if if you're going to go for Damian Lillard, you basically have to say, okay, Jalen Brunson is going to have to be involved in this trade somehow. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and you and you're probably just going to be turning it into a three teamer, trying to find some team that's willing to take Jalen Brunson and maybe send some of the draft compensation you need to send to Portland for Dame. Yeah. Out and then the Knicks get Dame back and go with Dame, who really, as much as we love Jalen Brunson, especially on the offensive end. I mean, he's just—he's like one of the best. To your point, one of the best offensive players, if not the best of, purely offensive player on the planet right now. I mean, yeah. he's—I'd say Jokic, but yeah, he's the, or Luca, but he's—he's he's in the mix. Yeah. He's in that mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because with those thirty-two points, he's also averaging like seven and a half assists right now too. I mean, he's he's generating offense he's being an engine and in, mm. in the best way possible so i mean it, the only thing is like his, the age and everything like it would give me some pause but if you want to talk about a guy that purely if the knicks were willing to just take the swing and send out the pick compensation and i don't know who else you have to send out in that arrangement like is it like jalen and grimes and picks and something else you know honestly but wait wait can we can we stop there like Shouldn't
1: Portland on paper want to do Brunson for Dame straight up, which obviously before this season would sound insane. And I don't think they would do it just because of what Dame means. But if you could get someone who is literally six years younger and I don't know, 85% as good as him, like doesn't mean.
0: Yeah. How much does, how much, how much does Brunson solve the problem of them kind of being on a treadmill to nowhere?
1: Right, you so know. that's yeah, but then I, I mean, I guess you're doing it as kind of an asset play, and then you're trying, yeah, to your point, of, and then that's exactly your point with the three-team trade. But my only, my only premise there is that I don't think, especially considering that obviously this trade couldn't happen until the summer. Dame will be 33 at whatever, like at six one, um, which mm-hmm. doesn't have a good history in the NBA. Like, there's, there's an argument to be made that. Um, Like the Knicks shouldn't have to give up crazy compensation. And if they trade Brunson, like there's a world where they could get some assets back and maybe
0: turn those into a, like a wing that you would need to elevate that team even further. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's reasonable. Do we want to do a quick rapid fire round on a couple other names real quick? Yeah, it was just sure. like a real, real fast explanation on why mm-hmm. uh, I'll throw, I'll throw Jimmy Butler out there. You know, if the Knicks are going to stick with Tibbs as their coach and, you know, Jimmy is a Tibbs guy. Uh, I don't think that the reason that Jimmy wa- wound up eventually wanting out of Minnesota was because of Tibbs, and he said as much. Uh, they seem to still have a real mutual admiration for one another. How you end up getting him, if that's if you could center a package around Quentin Grimes, hopefully you'd be able to keep Emmanuel quickly. Uh, maybe it's like Grimes and Toppin and Picks or something. You could make that happen, uh, which would be kind of painful from a Knicks fan perspective, but ultimately from a basketball perspective, like pretty solid. And Jimmy still clearly has a lot left in him. He's just the injury concerns are there. But you want to talk about a guy that like every place that he goes gets better and becomes almost an instant contender. That's him. I mean, he, he's done with the Bulls without Derrick Rose there. He did it with uh, Minnesota, dragged them to the playoffs that one year uh, with Tibbs and then, uh, you know, went to Philly and they were – they were pretty good with him, you know, didn't really get a chance to see how that would have really worked out because then he ends up going to Miami. And uh, now Miami has made, you know, multi- they've made a finals run. They've made multiple runs to the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, you know, it's he he's a winning basketball player and plays his butt off for tons of time. So that's a guy that like if you could find a way to pry him out of Miami, I think that's a guy that that I would look at.
1: Yeah, I think. I think the trade's probably built around RJ just if, if because you don't want to give up quickly mm-hmm. and that kind of deal. And like Miami can talk themselves into like, I think, molding RJ through whatever like
0: I, sick I methods hate, of player development say, they have. Yeah. <laughs> I would hate if RJ ended up there because he'd guaranteed yeah. turn into like a top five player if he ended up in my yeah. I'm just imagining him
1: like off the court he's strolling around in full like Vader gear all the time. <laughs> like it's really like it's really it, there's there's a lot of parallels there. But um I don't I don't know. That's that's kind of a community uh darkest timeline scenario. It'd yeah. be like our RJ would be evil Abed of the NBA. But <laughs> pretty much uh, yeah okay but I'm 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 with you Jimmy Jimmy would be better and honestly I would I'd ra- I mean, Jimmy just solves so many different issues for the Knicks because he's, he's sort of who you wanted RJ ideally to be as soon as this year, but in the near future right now um and probably on a uh, not probably i would say almost definitely on a higher level than rj's ever going to get to at this point um i'm going to throw out zion williamson a name we, we spent all of last summer talking about uh torturing our, our friend jake madison the host of lockdown pelicans into coming on and having to explain uh why it hopefully wouldn't happen from their perspective but now after he misses another full year due to injury alex i don't know i could see new orleans like at a certain point being like, all right, we're, we're just tired of this. And we want to hop off this roller coaster before this guy's out of the NBA. They have a million picks coming from the Lakers. Um, even if Zion doesn't play another game this year, they can still demand a million picks and some good young talent from the Knicks forum. And, and they can just rebuild around Brandon Ingram. And, and, and again, probably at that point, the best asset pool in the entire NBA, even compared to Oklahoma city and Utah. And and, and for the Knicks, I mean, you're just, you're, you're taking, you're buying a scratch off ticket, right? Even if it's only a 25% chance Uh, And and I think it'd probably be a little higher than that, but you ever get a fully healthy season out of Zion. I I almost just think you have to bet on the talent, even, even if it might just tank your franchise.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think, I mean, he's generational just from a pure talent perspective. It's just, is he ever going to put the work in to keep himself in good enough shape to stay on the court? Because I think he's got, he's got a little bit of Shaq in him in that regard, except for Shaq. Like, never at like 19, 20, 21 years old had to deal with the amount of stuff that Zion is dealing with injury-wise. Like Shaq was just like the metabolism kept him in good enough shape for long enough until then he hit later in his career where then, you know, the fact that he wasn't keeping himself in good enough playing shape kind of came back to bite him.
1: Yeah, he wasn't Zion, jump.
0: He wasn't jumping quite as high too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah, and it seems like that's what's kind of keeping Zion down is that he could stay in good enough shape as long as he's playing basketball all the time but if he gets hurt it seems like it's a really long road to recovery for him mm. all the time because he's i don't think his conditioning program is good enough based off just looking at the guy um so yeah you're kind of taking that chance and hoping that you can you can change that aspect of him and hey if you end up in that deal keeping a Julius Randle who had a i wouldn't say a similar body transformation cuz Randle's always been in good shape but like a, a guy who really took a lot of time to sculpt his body and and turn into a really lean, faster, bouncier, just overall better player. And with super amazing endurance and, and durability, you know, maybe that's something you could do, but I do kind of think that with where the Pelicans are as a franchise, if you're going after Zion, you're probably moving Julius Randle because there's just too much overlap there. Um, but Gavin, maybe someday we'll be betting on odds for this sort of thing, probably in the off season. Uh, but if people want to go somewhere to bet on the uh, the odds of various things, probably just some same-game parlays, where should they head to? Uh, there's only
1: uh, one spot, Alex, uh, where they should go, and that is, of course, America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel. Um, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel because it's the uh, just past the midway point of the NBA season and because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1 thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the fanduel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes drained um i think we got to call call the fine people at fanduel alex and, and get maybe maybe get odds on on all the players that we presented today and then people people can throw some money down out of that and that whole list. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I have a, like a, a, a sneaking feeling about Damian Lillard. I, I think I would put some money down there as, as a long shot bet. And you know what? Our, our podcast has a good track record of telling you about long shot bets. Alex tried to warn all of you. About Emmanuel quickly, and you you would you'd would be living um uh, probably in the same penthouse as, as James Dolan. Oh, that's that's kind of a nightmare. Um, adjacent penthouse to James Dolan. And Now he'd be practicing <laughs> music a few blocks away from James Dolan in a penthouse if you're taking that. <laughs> Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com/slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com/slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we're back on Locked On Knicks, and we got a question from. And man, I I, I hate to I hate to single out one person because we, we get we get questions from so many good people, and so many of them are are, are just brilliant. But maybe our question asking MVP all time, um, Ignacio at Ignacio Lo Brigat uh, and he says, "Hey guys, long time no ask. That's a fun intro, just for fun. If you guys could bottle up a single game performance of five different players who didn't work out for us, who would they be?" Um, they'd be our five for a finals run. Can't be players who are currently still on team freebie. Uh, think T Mac versus Oklahoma City. So essentially, Alex, um, and you can quibble, and we will quibble over the definition of, of did not work out for the Knicks. But basically, you're just taking one game uh, from a former Nick and saying this is who the guy will be throughout the playoff run. What's the best combination of five guys I could throw together to win a championship? So who who, who are your first couple of guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess this is what what's the definition of didn't work out you know like is there a threshold for like how many seasons that means or or what they mean to the fan base like it's kind of it's kind of subjective and so (laughs) I basically think that means almost any player that's not on that's not on the current team because obviously right now this seems to be working out and we don't know what the future is going to hold for all these guys on this team but like pretty much anyone for me over the last like 20 years (laughs) I would say it didn't work out. Like I don't know if anyone really looks back on too many of the players that played for the Knicks in the last like 20 years and thinks like that guy left like an enduring legacy. And you know, like the the only one that maybe is an exception will be the guy I'll throw out first because maybe it's maybe I should just be have this option disqualified. But I was like, did Melo really work out? Like given the expectations when the Knicks acquired him given what the Knicks accomplished in mellows time, like a couple first round exits, one trip to the second round one 50 win season, like given the fact that they gave up kind of the whole boat for him in 2010, 2011, is that really like a success? I, I, and look this to be clear, I'm not, saying that I didn't enjoy Melo's tenure with the Knicks because I know he's pretty polarizing at this point among some fans, but I quite enjoyed the Mello years. I mean, there were certainly some fun times, but I would say that things didn't work out in the sense that like the expectations were like playoffs every year, maybe a run to the conference finals or something, and I don't think the Knicks ever found that. So, I, one of two Mello performances, or take your pick, there were so many good ones, but 50 points on jumpers, just for how fun that would be to have for a whole playoffs, or the sixty-two and thirteen game versus Charlotte, where poor Michael K. Gilchrist basically had his career ended in one night. Um, either of those stand out for me as far as Melo is concerned, but that that would be my first guy. But I, there's a couple guys on your list too that I really like, and that I probably would have gone for had you not like you wrote your list out first. So I tried to diversify a little bit. But yeah, if Melo is eligible, I think obviously he's got to be part of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting debate, right? Because like when the Knicks traded him, if you just just plotted out on a graph, like all right, like here are here are all the possible outcomes for Carmelo Anthony on the New York Knicks. I, I think that was somewhere around a thirtieth percentile outcome, or it definitely wasn't the worst case scenario, right? He scored over ten thousand points with the team. Um, to your point, he had some incredible moments, some incredible games. Uh, the 12, 13 season, like in some ways made that whole trade worth it because it was uh, for, for both of us. Right. The season of like do, doing this for over two decades now, tor- torturing ourselves in a way it was it was one season that was um, at least at least until the playoffs. Pretty, pretty much pure joy. Um, So in that sense, like I would I would push back against the f- idea that it didn't work out. in another sense, they made the playoffs or, or they won a series once in in. I don't know how many years was on the team, seven, eight years of Carmelo Anthony. And that was after they traded for a top eight player in the league in his prime. Um, And your expectations are, are higher than that. So in that sense, he he didn't work out. Um, So I think that's fair. Um, I, I think I stuck to the letter of the law with this, like maybe maybe to my detriment, because there were, there are some positions where I wanted to feel like, like you um, I'll, I'll spoil it. You have Tyson Chandler on your team. That was a guy I was thinking like, man, could I, could I put him on the team? And I, I, I didn't. I didn't go there. Um, so instead, my center, um, which was was, yeah, uh, I would say maybe even like when I really thought about, it, I'm like, all right, I guess I am getting the better player here, was Chris Stapps Porzingis. And, and the key part of this question for me from Ignacio was that you got to pick them just for one night, and I was like, all right, if I could pick KP at his apex where he was just an athletic force on both ends of the floor, that's a guy who can anchor you at the five spot. To winning a championship. So I took um, his game on November 5th, 2017 against the Pacers, where he had uh, 40 points, eight rebounds, and six blocks on 15 of 24 shooting. And it's kind of interesting with KP, right? Because Alex, you could, if you wanted to, you could throw my argument right back in my face and say, hey, on on draft night, when everyone thought he was going to be a bust, like he ended up being really, really good for the Knicks and gave them the assets to make a whole bunch of moves down the line. I mean, whether like it turned to Mitchell Robinson, I think one of the picks was, was Emmanuel quickly. Right. So in, in some ways, Chris Stapps Porzingis really worked out for the Knicks, but I would argue just not in the sense that we all thought he would, when he was putting up stat lines like that. And, and to me, like he, he is sort of the, like, I'll, I'll go through the rest of my roster, but basically no one else on my roster is going to play a lick of defense. That version of KP that could fly around at seven foot three and block shots. And I, I thought at the time it was going to be a perennial all defense type of guy. Uh, that is the kind of center you need to anchor um, a, a championship run.
0: Yeah, I think we've both kind of given our stars, uh, which both left sort of their own legacy on the Knicks. Uh, so I'll just go through the whole rest of my roster. I'll just list them all off in the interest of time, and then we could yeah. kind of debate between them, I guess. But I had Jeremy Lin versus the Lakers. I would argue that Jeremy Lin did not work out because, yes, he provided way more than what was – ever expected of him, which was literally nothing. Um, But the fact that the Knicks didn't retain him and that he only spent like half a season with the Knicks and the fact that fans were so disappointed to see him go, you and I included, Mm. after that season, I think leads to say like things didn't work out because if things had worked out, the Knicks would have resigned him. Uh, So maybe through no fault of his own, but things didn't end up working out. So I have him versus the Lakers, undoubtedly his best game I think during Linsanity where he just torched Kobe <laughs> of all guys like just absolute insanity to go into that game as a as a, a like off the end of the bench free agent and score 38 points and have seven assists in a win against the Lakers Uh then I've got Jamal uh Jamal Crawford which you can't say a single player on those teams from like 2005 to 2009 worked out because nothing worked on those teams. So that's all fair game, I think. Uh, So I had his 52 point game where he shot 20 of 30 and eight of 10 from three uh, on in January of 2007. Then Tyson Chandler, I picked, Uh, did you have a note on Jamal? uh, Oh no, no. I was shaking my head at like
1: the stat line. Like, Oh yeah. Pretty crazy. Just (laughs) crazy.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize he was that efficient. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. Pretty great game. I mean, when you score 52, pretty, pretty solid. Uh Tyson Chandler, I had on there as well. I think with Tyson, the main thing is just like how things ended with him. Mm. Sort of contentious, you know. Like he just was like, get me the hell out of here by the time it was time to go. Which stop me if you've heard that before in relation to the New York Knicks anytime in the last 20 the years. Knicks. That doesn't yeah, sound like yeah. them. the Knicks guys wanted to get out. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of <laughs> <What>? just. <laughs> That was like just where Tyson was at that point. And like he obviously he wasn't a Phil guy and whatever. So like Phil shipped him out. And so I, I don't think things ended particularly well, even though he was a part of the best team of the last 20 years or so prior to this year. Um, but his 16 point, 28 rebound, two steal, one block game versus Golden State on uh on in February of 2013. That was, I think, on his stretch where he set the Knicks record for most games with 20-plus rebounds in a row. And I think he had like four or something or maybe five by the time he stopped. But that was like the peak of his powers there, rebounding the ball. So I figured some rebounding and defense. And then Jr. Smith, take your pick. He had those back-to-back game winners. I just want a closer on this team that I know I can count on to win the game. So I don't care if he shoots 0 for 8 prior to the, the end of the game because there's plenty of other scoring between – uh crawford and lynn and mellow just get me you know jr smith able to come in there and hit that last second buzzer beater uh and and win the game for the knicks if they need it in one of those playoff games and that's good for me importantly that that version of jr smith late in games no Cavs jr smith late because that's notoriously bad so yeah and he can that's this, my this, roster this, this one can see the clock um yeah. But uh, all right. Now, now uh, rip my heart out with the guy that you picked off the yeah. list that, that you know that I would have picked on my <laughs> Yeah. OK, so I, fe- I feel I feel guilty
1: about this, honestly, because <laughs> I did I did think about it as I was putting the team like eh, this is. Uh, but it, I, I will say, like, it's also like I think I think we maybe initially bonded over this when we started doing the podcast. Like yeah. it's one of my. Like three or four favorite Nick games ever too. Uh, uh, T Mac against Oklahoma City. Was, it, was, it was Tracy McGrady in New York, one night only. He uh, did not do much after this. Like actually going through his game lock, he had a few few other decent games. I was like, oh, I, I completely block, blotted that out. But th- but this is one of those games. Even though it was, it's now. Th- this sounds crazy to say, Alex. This was 13 years ago. This is this was a full uh, full uh, baby being born uh, into a bar mitzvah ago but he had uh 26 points uh five rebounds four assists uh was pretty efficient all the way back on february 20th 2010 um i i know he's your all-time favorite player um or or, or one of them um and yeah i i don't know just six eight killer wing tracy mcgrady um like i i always i always fall back on this like when kobe was like yeah he was like kobe would say in interviews like yeah you know he was, he's probably more talented than me like he's was, he was basically kobe bryant two inches bigger like Super duper efficient. Uh, just just never had the right team, and maybe maybe didn't quite have cope's killer instinct. Um, but for what for that one night, he was he was a star in New York.
0: Yeah, I I mean I love that game. That was one of the one of the highlights of my sports life. So you won't get any opposition from me there, as you said. Absolutely, you had it nailed. He's my favorite player of all time, and I just found him to be so electric. So yeah, getting that version of him for a whole playoffs with the Knicks, which crazy enough is still not even close to the peak of his powers. Like even, even for that one night only of looking like himself, that was like an average night on the rockets at his best. Yeah. Um, And if if i pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah. I need to go back and watch the highlights. But if I remember like, like he was a guy who at his apex would, would rise up and he would basically have three feet of like clear view towards the hoop because he was six, eight, he could really jump and he Mm -hmm. shot over his head and it felt like it was on tighter margins and he was kind of taking advantage of that. That was like kind of the puppy thunders. Um, with, with, with young KD on that team. Um, so that was, uh, anyways, yeah, all time performance. Um, and then I had, um, Amari Stoudemire on February 6th, 2011 against the Sixers. I was tempted to pick the iconic Celtics game where, where he, um, he missed the, or he, he made the shot, the buzzer, but it was just slightly late, but going through his game log, this was pretty clearly his best game. He had 41 points. Seven rebounds, four assists, four blocks. That's key to me because he's playing some defense that night. So if I if I could just put into a little magical bottle, uh, Amari Stoudemire playing some defense, and he shot seventeen to twenty-one from the floor. So um, I, I think him and KP together playing inside outside, like like you think about mo- the modern NBA, if both of them could protect the rim, like that is I think the league's worst nightmare,
0: basically. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, uh, by was, the way, by yeah, the way, if ahead. I may yeah. mm. stat, didn't miss that last second shot either. And didn't, did miss it on time either. Had they reviewed how much time yeah. should have been on the clock, which they would have done in today's NBA, mm. there would have been more than enough time for him to get that shot off. And he would have made it just saying.
1: Okay. All right. So maybe <laughs> you, you, you could have taken Celtics game, um, <laughs> <then> maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's the sixth man for you guys. Um, but uh, my backcourt um, is is a weird one. Um, I have Alonzo Trier on January 13th, 2019. I'm like, all right, who really – I needed someone who really didn't work out to take away any ambiguity from my other guys. So that was Alonzo Trier. Uh, he had, And I just remember us, like, coming on the pod, Alex, and, and people can go back and find it probably. It was on December um, – um 18th um i guess it was it was 2018 2019 i don't know why i didn't write the year down when i oh yeah no sorry but no that was that, that those were his, that was the stat line it was uh, january 31st 2019 was the date he had 31 points 10 rebounds 3 assists 12 for 18 shooting um against the Rockets. so that that was that's my version of jr smith i guess um, just a just a shot maker. And then I got Chauncey Billups because I, I kept thinking like, all right, I need a point guard who didn't really work out. I kind of thought of Jason Kidd, but I was like, you know what? He, like for a 40-year-old guy, he did basically everything he could. I just want a caretaker. And I guess old Chauncey Billups is sort of the best version of that. Um, so February 25th, 2011 against the Cavs, he had 26 points, eight assists and was 12 for 14 from the line. Just a guy who could, um, based on those stats. I need another game is a Nick Alec which was where he was 18 for 20 at the line for someone who had presumably lost some explosiveness at that point. Um, clearly still had a lot of craft in his game and, and, and the ability to, to trick younger players into fouling him. Um, I think that would be very useful in a finals run. And, and also the one guy on this list who actually has, um, I, outside of T-Mac, uh, moonlighting on the Spurs is like a 50 year old, um, has actual championship experience. So, um, I, I, kinda, I think I like the balance of my team. The, the strength is the, the flexibility, of the two big guys, but I also think there's some, some great shooting around
0: them and, and hopefully some T-Mac magic at the, at the end of games. Yeah, I think we've built some some hopefully championship caliber squads based mm-hmm. on these uh based on these these one game sample sizes. But I guess we'll never know. Maybe we could run this through 2K or something just for fun. Cool. I'm, I'm yeah. half tempted to do that now just to see if they would win. Uh, a title. or So maybe this is a complete 10 man roster to see if that could work, but I'd have to like super buff their stats and they'd all be like 99s overall because they were so good for that one particular game. So mm. I, I get the feeling they would probably win <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's it for today. We have more mailbag questions to get to these ones. were so good that we only got the two in one episode. So uh, we got plenty more to come. But again, if you haven't, if you, if you haven't asked any questions already and you want to, you can hit us up on Twitter, Uh, You could either do it in response to our tweet or in DMs, or you could check out uh, in our YouTube community tab. We have a post up there, ask for questions, or you could just comment under this video if you have uh, a question on YouTube. So definitely do that. Uh, But until next time, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.